When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Boy, this voice is not the voice that you know. If you listened last week, you know that the great Michael Beller is stepping aside for bigger, maybe better. I mean, if he's not with Seely and Funston, is it truly better? I don't know. But he's going aside, and he uh, set up the mystery, the mystery host. Who is the mystery host? Well, maybe you know me. Maybe you don't. I am Chris Welsh, not Thank Pitch on Twitter, the former Reds pitcher, but just the guy who does lots of podcasts and a guy that loves the two people that are on this podcast, Jake Seeley, Brandon Funston. I am very happy to be here. I'm very happy to get to play around in the mud with both of you and talk fantasy football. And hopefully the audience will have some fun with us and not uh, pitchforks and fire and torch and get me out of here. What the hell is this guy doing? I'm glad to be here, my friends. Jake, what's up, buddy? I'm happy you are too. Actually, I think Beller's happy to get away from me. I think that's the other way. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Pass it off to you. You deal with this bastard. That's really what it was. <laughs> I guess. And Brandon, uh, he, only one last AJ Brown uh, debate and fight could he have until he had to leave, and then they brought me in. That's right. I'm kind of. I'll be curious to know what your little, you know, where you're going to pick your little spots for battles and things like that. We're all we're all kumbaya right now, but you know, give us a few weeks of talking fantasy football, and things can change very quickly. Oh God, <laughs> it's fantasy football, gentlemen. Exactly. It will. And uh, I know I've known Brandon for some time. I've known Jake for uh, a long, long time, and we have a nice little right. pass. So hopefully, it's hopefully it's a good transition for everybody, and we don't. Uh, I don't cause too much chaos, though. I am going to, I might poke at Jake more than uh, Beller might have. Like, you know, the second we got on today, I'm like, hey, Jake, what's up? He's like, hey, hey, it's always the, hey, we got to get, we got to get the big happy Jake out. I'm always going to call out the the gloomy Jake. So uh, preseason finale all over. We're done. We can get right into it. We don't need to have big hurrah about me or anything like that. We can just get into all the craziness because as Jake said to me before we started up uh, in a, point of realization guys football's next week like real football that counts is happening next week brandon have you come to terms with that the life that you knew like a couple weeks ago that's gone that's gone for the rest of 2022 you have committed to the church of football well, first of all, I love this week, this this week off, kind of like the Super Bowl, right? Like the build up, you get like the the open weekend over Labor Day, and I, I have a for from now until the end of time draft that happens on Monday of Labor Day every year for my local league. So I get really kind of giddy about it. We go golfing and we just do it up, and it's all you know get together kind of a deal. So I love it. I love this build up, and I like the fact that we now don't have to worry about a throwaway week you know, four of the preseason anymore. That's a thing of the past. And and maybe week three of the preseason will be a thing of the past, you know, next year or, or some sometime soon, which I'm down for as well. But yeah, bring on the regular season. Ask me in week five how I'm feeling about it because I'm sure I'll be like starting to feel the, the trudgery of it a little bit. But uh, it, it's great. It's a great time of year. 
That's okay. You know, I just brought up something. Jake, do you have any drafts left? You, I mean, there's yeah. like, do you, how many? How many? Just, no, just two. We, we, oh, uh, yeah. Beller, I have two as mostly, well. I'm in the stretch run. I have my home league this Saturday uh, because the schmucks like to bring my ranks and wait to the last possible minute of information and won't draft earlier. Can't get them to draft earlier. <laughs> I'd love to take advantage of that and draft earlier, but I can't. And then I have the CBS telethon Wednesday. No, wait. We draft tomorrow and then we discuss it for the telethon on Wednesday night. So, those are my last two. And then I'm done. I'm out. I still have a few best balls that are lingering, but that's it. I'm done after that. How See, long that's does an attic ta- right there. How long that does the telethon go there? for? That sounds like a long time. Whoa, are you, whoa, are you whoa, committed? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the telethon itself, I don't think you talk that Jamie Eisenberg. That's the, that's the telethon that raised money. The draft itself is just a telethon league. That's, that's a normal, that'll be done in like an hour and a half. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're not drafting during the telethon. <laughs> yeah, well, I was join yeah. us. You you can find out who I pick in round thirteen if you give a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great way yeah, to do it. Unlock my be, pick. Yeah, yeah <laughs> unlock my pick. But what an what a, what a fantasy football addict that was too. Where Jake's like, I've got two. I'm done. A couple more best balls, but then I'm done. I'm completely <laughs> done after that. That's exactly how that sounds. Well, I know everybody else here is probably uh, just in the final throws. Maybe your draft is coming up this. Uh, final weekend we've got some breakdown for you from the final preseason and we'll set you up the rest of this week so uh, you guys are all set for whatever draft you might have left whatever you tell yourself you have one and then there's four or five that are going to go on so uh, I, I to be honest with you i don't even know how many i have i think i've got one or two and you know you, you always have that league where there's like that one lingering league where they're like hey guys by the way we are going to do this let's go again and i'm like yeah. okay and then you kind of want to get out of it but you don't want to be the one person that's like hey guys no chance uh, i have one of those <laughs> that is lingering right now uh, we'll see where it goes uh let's get into a couple preseason notes uh from the weekend we're also going to get our big takeaway and at the end i've got a little i had a little homework for uh, Brandon and Jake to put together a team. And I think you guys are going to like the team construction. First up, we got to talk about the big news that it's unfortunately the first piece of news, you know, we're talking about isn't the best. Luckily it had an okay result. Brian Robinson with the Washington commanders was shot in a attempted robbery, which was crazy. It was one of those moments where you look up at the news and you go, Oh, this is a crazy pill situation. This doesn't look real. This didn't seem or feel real. Also, because we had had that same day, we had had reports about how he had jumped Antonio Gibson. There, it was kind of like big in the news in the morning. Actually, I'm being honest, on the show sheet when I had worked on it Sunday, guys, I had put that on here because that was the big piece. And it was an attempted robbery. He was shot twice. The reports were that they were in the lower part of his body. He's in stable condition. He's in good spirits. Ron Rivera made comments that he was going to be able to get back to what he loved to do here in the very near future. And he was even, I believe, on uh, an Instagram talking about whatever surgery went well. I mean, it seems like this is a relatively best case scenario, Jake, in losing a, you know, a top and running back and just having a horrible, you know, personal situation go on. So how are you evaluating this entire situation? Obviously, we know he's going to miss some time. It's a horrible real life situation but there are other implications that are uh, attached yeah we talked about this i said i said very similar i'm glad you put it that way too it's like we put brian robinson the person first uh but we do have to talk about it for fantasy purposes and i updated last night and <laughs> funny like i updated this funston and then like as soon as i was done with all the updates from the preseason week three is like got this news and it's like oh my gosh you like have to go back and do it all over again at least for washington and really what i did is i gave him 12% of the touches. I kind of speculated that by December, if not maybe a little bit into November, because it sounds like 
there's no bone structure damage. There's no arteries or tendons or anything like that. So thank God. Sounds like it should be, but it's it, we're all speculating. Nobody's come out and clear. We're not doctors. No doctors come out and said it's specifically this. I did talk to one. Just this is anecdotal, really. I'm not saying this is medical because it's anecdotal. I talked to a person who is in the doctoral world and said, you know, the biggest concern is that even if it's only the muscle tissue is that once you come back, like because he's playing football, you can't get hit in that spot and risk it re-tearing open. So it has to be, this isn't like you could start practicing while you're still recovering from like a torn ACL or like you straight grade two sprain. Like this has to be a hundred percent and then you can start. So it might be a complete missed season. And so again, I gave him a little bit, I gave him that 12% because I think that 12% would be Robinson or anybody else. If they brought in somebody else or Jarrett Patterson, sees that uptick or whatever it is. But the biggest thing is I brought Gibson back to 50% of that backfield and it puts Gibson, in my opinion, back inside the top 20. Like, I really don't think Jarrett Patterson's going to take what Brian Robinson was going to take from him. And by that facet, we get Gibson from last year, who is now back to being a top 20 running back. And anybody who got Gibson the past two weeks is getting an RB2 at a supreme discount. Lucky for them. Yeah, I mean, I was on a getting ready to our plane. I was coming back from Chicago over the weekend and I literally was about to put my phone in airplane mode when this notification came up and I did a complete double take. I'm like, Oh my God, is that real? And I was like, and so I had to quickly read the story before, uh, you know, I had to shut things down. But I I tell you the the human body is amazing that they're even talking about. There's a possibility that Brian Robinson can come back. I hear about someone getting shot in the lower extremities and I'm kind of with Jake where like, yeah, maybe this is not career ending and maybe he will be okay. But I do think this is going to take some time and they're not going to be able to get him back out there. So um, that's a tough real life situation, as we said, for Brian Robinson. But yeah, there's really no other way to spin it than that Antonio Gibson has to kind of return to the prominence that we had him at before they even drafted Brian Robinson. And, uh, you know, and I think if there's somebody else in there, that's uh, clearly they are trying to send a message to Antonio Gibson before this was all, all went down and there is opportunities for other people. There's also opportunity for Antonio Gibson to kind of restore faith in him by his coaches there. So um, to start with, at least it's going to be Antonio Gibson's show again. You'd be able to tell say, what type of message. Sorry, Welsh. I was yeah, gonna, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to just say, I would start taking flyers on Jarrett Patterson. 100%. 12th round, take a flyer on Jarrett Patterson in well, case they're it, that upset with Gibson. And see, that's where I was kind of going is it, it does seem like you're going to find out what type of message it really was with Gibson right now because Brian Robinson is, is not in this picture. So will they bring someone else in? Are they that uncomfortable with the situation where they bring in a – Kenyon Drake or, you know, if uh, say the 49ers or something, Ronald Jones gets cut or the 49ers do go with Trey Sermon at two and they get rid of Jeffrey Wilson Jr. Something like that. Do they do that? Or does a Patterson get more? Or at the end of the day, was this a lot of motivational tactic type of stuff where, you know, they just say, okay, you know what? Now there isn't somebody that's vying for that. Here is your opportunity. But obviously you are now going to be drafting Antonio Gibson in more of that anticipation of the role. Brandon, did you say where where is uh, Gibson in your going to be in your new ranks? Uh, I have him currently right now at 20. So I'm I'm close to Jake. I have David Montgomery one spot ahead of him and ETN two spots ahead of him. I have I have a sandwich between those guys and then da- uh, Josh Jacobs and Damian Harris on the other side. OK, so, yeah, you so guys the biggest difference is he has Montgomery. I don't. Yeah, that's the, that's the biggest difference. 
<laughs> yeah, Delano Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, please. And, uh, you know, just uh, good thoughts from everybody out to um, Brian Robinson. Just a weird, crazy situation. Usually we get those type of stories and it doesn't have as good of an ending. So it's good to have a, a solid, uh, you know, at least ending-ish type of situation going on after that. Other news from uh, this final weekend. There is some optimism that J.K. Dobbins um, is going to be, be able to maintain a, um, a heavy workload this season. But there's questions about his start early on. We know Gus Edwards is on the pup. This is just becoming a little bit more chatter right now with Dobbins potentially maybe not being able to start this season as optimistic as they are. So I'm just curious, Brandon, do you have any early buys on Mike Davis? Is Mike Davis a thing early on that people should be considering? You know, the buy I had, the only buy I've had in this depth chart was uh, weeks ago in the Scott Fishbowl League. I took Tyler Batty like with the like the last pick, you know, I, everything that's been resonating in my head about JK Dobbins has been Virginia Zakis from inside injury. She's been consistent about this, even back in the springtime that JK Dobbins didn't have just a simple ACL. He had, I believe the MCL as well as another, another CL was part of the equation in that one as well. And that the recovery time is not your normal ACL and that she didn't think he would be worth really anything in September and that it would be really kind of more of a second half where you might see, some of J.K. Dobbins that we saw before the injury. and uh, But I'm pulled back on Tyler Batty because I'm just thinking back to Tyson Williams and how much we love Tyson Williams. He was a young guy. And, and and what did they end up doing? They went with Latavius Murray and Devonta Freeman. And like this feels like another situation to set up exactly the same. There's the, there's the boring Mike Davis that we, that we maybe don't want. And we would love to see maybe some Tyler Batty and see what he can do. But I have a feeling we're going to seeing a lot more Mike Davis. So uh, at this point, I've kind of flip-flopped and, and, and I've moved Mike Davis up into an R, like the very last RB4 spot in my rankings. Um, and I assume J.K. Dobbins, as soon as he's good to go, they'll lean back on him. But, uh, you know, that could be a slow, a slow play to start the year. Jake, uh, Dobbins barely is inside your top 30 probably to do obviously with all of this is there any i mean we all kind of knew this but there's these final reports coming out there's no more games that it, outside of the the optimism exists but now it's not looking like week one any takeaway via mike davis or jk dobbins for people <laughs> in their final week of drafting I, I i don't even want mike davis if he even stop, starts hot like just because it's it's, it's it's a placeholder like you're just putting him here like this is, uh, you know, I moved and my TV isn't here yet. So I got some 40 inch, you know, old uh, hell. I got a 27 CRT sitting on my table until the big, <laughs> big screen shows up. Like I it just, it's, it's nothing because, uh, you know, yeah, it might be impressive, but you're not going to get any trade value unless you're in a super experienced league. Like I just have no real, like maybe if he goes zero RB, which, you know, I don't like to do. Then you grab Mike Davis and by hopefully week three or four when Dobbins, and this is what I'm getting at. It's I think I said it on this show, right? Funston a few weeks ago. This is now it's Saquon Barkley from last year. Like we expect Dobbins to be Dobbins, but not till the end of September. So if you're patient enough, uh, I'd have Dobbins there because of that. But if you told me like, I, hey, I knew I was getting 100 percent Dobbins, he'd be inside my top 20 because he's in this backfield in the lead. And I believe the talent is that great. So, yeah, if you go zero RB and you're trying to say, hey, I can find somebody by week three or four 
at running back on waivers. Like, you know, maybe it is, as you mentioned, the backup, whoever it might be for, for the 49ers. Elijah Mitchell's not ready to start the season. Then you go grab that person off waivers and ta-da. But that's about it. Eli Mitchell, by the way, also working uh, working on the field yesterday with the 49ers, which is a good sign. I know there's been questions about him starting. I also need him to be out there in uh, Jake Seeley's Flex League uh, that I was in. <laughs> I took both Dobbins and Eli Mitchell, and uh, I was getting drilled on it over on Sirius, but I would point out, as Jake shared with everybody, I had the highest winning percentage odds to make the playoffs with that team, even though I had some implied risk. A couple other notes that aren't necessarily our big targets. Geno Smith was named the official starter with the Seahawks. Does that change anybody's mindset on really anything with this team? I mean, there's Lockett, there's Metcalf. They both seem to always be values. The amount of Lockett shares I'm going to have this year is probably going to make me sick, especially as a uh, 49ers fan. Uh, but they all fall. It's what it is. It's ring around the rosy with the Seahawks, Jake. And Gino is going to be the catalyst of all of it. Does it make you feel better, make you feel worse? Or it's just, uh, it's like the porridge. It's just right. <laughs> no, it, it's a little <laughs> bit better than just right. It's not quite just good, but it's it's better than, it's somewhere in between. Uh, because we saw Gino last year, and he's a fine quarterback. And, you know, we sat on this show and Faustin pointed out too about the target share and that, Metcalf was the one with the touchdowns, and that's the upside there. I keep sitting here, and I'm going through And for everybody out there, I'm not telling you because you don't care about my home league, but I'm saying this for a reason. So I'm sitting here. I can only keep four, and they're all salaries, and I'm struggling between. I got Jonathan Taylor, Deontay Johnson, DK Metcalf, and Monterey St. Brown and Cam Akers. Now, Deontay and Metcalf are both in the teens. The only reason I'm telling you all this is because I'm sitting here and like by optics, if you're looking at my options, Acres only seven bucks. So like optics, you're like, oh, well, DK is more expensive than Deontay. You want to keep Jonathan Taylor, kick DK to the curb. And something in me as a football anal- analyst is sitting here saying, I just feel DK is too good. I like, I just feel like, why do we sit here? And this is my argument in my head. Like, why do we sit here and make excuses for Allen Robinson all these years? Why do we sit here and make excuses for, you know, Darnell Mooney right now for Justin Fields? Like we say target share, target share, target. They're too good. And then now we have Geno stepping in, who's a fine quarterback. And we're destroying Tara Lockett down to the thirties. And we don't even want to put DK Metcalf inside the top 20s. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, it's DK freaking Metcalf. So I have a feeling that DK might be one of the league winners this year. He might be one of the best values because I think we're dinging DK and Lockett too much for Geno being at quarterback. Brandon, I think we almost would have dinged them more, if you will, with Drew Locke at quarterback. That's scarier. I mean, Geno is nothing to be you know, super excited about, but you know, there's a bigger arm in there. There's more experience uh, that's built inside of him. I think I would have been a little bit more pessimistic on Lockett or Metcalf had Locke, uh, you know, preferably locked up the job. They've had Lockett and Metcalf under bubble wrap and look at the receivers that have been out there have been awful and there's nobody else. It's so I look back at the jets last year and they were like had the fourth fewest rush attempts and like the fourth most pass attempts. And that's a team with Robert Sala. The DNA is they want to be a running team. They couldn't do it because they averaged eight points in the first half and they had to throw the ball a ton. And I look at this as kind of a similar situation. Seattle wants to run. I don't think they're going to score a whole lot, and they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. And who's really established themselves outside of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett? It's going to be a lot of targets to those two guys. There's not a there's not a clear number three, and even Noah Fant hasn't done anything in the preseason either. That that we're going to you know people want to talk him up, but it's going to be a lot of DK. It's going to be a lot of Tyler Tyler Lockett, and Gino is serviceable. He has 20, almost 25 percent of his pass attempts in the preseason have been drops. That's insane. 
like so you know you get some competent hands in dk and tyler if he's gonna put it you know in their range they're gonna get some decent numbers out of this you know what mr yuck sticker offense who do you guys who are you gonna have the most shares of if you're gonna have any of these guys mine is i've already said it, it's clearly Lockett because of the value brandon dk or Lockett? do you think your highest shares is currently uh, you know, I think Lockett or uh, Metcalf's going to be a, a decent bit better, and I actually think that his value has dropped because he's now in the in the twenties. Like, you can get him in the twenties a lot of times, not in the local Seattle league, but you know, in, in Jake's leagues over there in in <laughs> Virginia Beach. Um, so I think it's starting to be a pretty good value for DK as well. But I get what you're saying because you can get Tyler almost at wide receiver forty. Or, it's or wild. There. It's, it's why every time I look, I'm like, okay, like Tyler Lockett's down here with, you know, all the rookie wide receivers. Like, we'll, yeah. we'll go with that. Jake, what do you, uh, what about you? Lockett or Metcalf? Both. 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 I mean, like, because it's like, it's similar to, uh, we have somebody for later in the show, sneak tease here is a, there's a duo that's now playing with Russell Wilson that before three, four weeks ago, before insane, insane things happened, we were like, well, you could get one in the fifth and one in the seventh. And then if you're wrong on who's the more breakout, but the other one will still have value because what you mentioned, because Lockett is down with the rookies and then Metcalf is in the wide receiver twos, sometimes even wide receiver threes. You could get both. No, I don't want both, but guess what? You weren't complaining if you had Chase and Higgins last year. I'm not saying they're going to be chasing Higgins, everybody out there, but you're also not drafting a wide receiver one and one or two cost. You're drafting a wide receiver two slash three and a wide receiver four slash five. If they're both on your roster and then what if it's Lockett? And then Metcalf is the one you're benching. But either way, they're not coming at cost where you can't. It's both for me. A lot of Steelers injuries from this weekend. A lot of Steeler injury news. Deontay Johnson injured, injured, his, uh, injured his shoulder in the final preseason game. He had to end up uh, immediately was taken out. He ended up walking. It looks like it's going to be okay. But then we got this piece of news from Najee Harris. that he told reporters that he had a sprained Liz Franck in training camp that he had been dealing with. And ideally, it, what it looks like is this type of injury would be a four to six week marker this represents kind of the four week marker and he got a couple carries finally, but hearing that is no bueno just in general, because what it, what it did for me is it started to get me kind of rolling on like, think of volume. One of the reasons I really like Najee Harris a a lot more than maybe most this year, because I love the idea of the receptions. I love a new quarterback in the system, checking down with him a whole lot. I love the workload, but then I think he's got this type of injury and maybe one of the biggest workloads in the NFL, that doesn't make me feel good at all. And I'm, I'm kind of like stressed about it a little bit, especially with some of my shares. Jake, is this anything to you? Is this a big nothing burger? Because he did get out there and he got to get going. I mean, carrying this injury into the season, this is the type of thing that you do kind of want to fade sometimes in first rounds to make those type of commitments, even though he is one of the most beautiful, you know, high shared running backs that you can get. Yeah, so the initial reaction was the puke emoji. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, legitimately. And then we have the conflicting reports, even from Tomlin himself. Like, oh, he stepped on somebody else's foot. Like, no, let's <laughs> frank, like, this is what I've been dealing with. So, yeah, the ideal timeline, according to all the Twitter doctors, which we trust. This is inside Twitter injuries, doctors. too. Yeah, but inside injuries is a four to six week timetable. This is actually ahead of four weeks. This is three and change. He's approaching four, which means by the season starts, he'll be close to six, which, like you said, he was out there, which makes me feel a little optimistic. You know, maybe I felt like an eight to start and now I'm down to a five, but it's not going to go away because it's not going to go away is sometimes what we see with a list rank injury. And that's my concern is what if he's playing through it 
And one thing we have seen from this team, holy crap, that offensive line looks terrible. Like this Oof. is this yeah, this is this is looking like Bears offensive line so far. Now maybe there's a little bit of improvement. Maybe they weren't playing some guys as much as they want to during the season to make sure they don't lose more like the Giants have been losing. Uh, but I, I love Najee Harris for 350 touches, just bank him, potentially even 400, but he could be on one of the worst offenses. One of the things I did with Harris is I did tick down his share a little bit, but I also brought back for everybody out there when you can customize pro- my projections is one of the things you can do are team snaps, teams rushing shares, teams rushing y- team rushing yards per carry, and team rushing touchdown success. These are all things you can play with. I dropped all three. I dropped plays. I dropped rushing yards per carry for the team, and I dropped rushing touchdown success. And it brought Najee Harris down because I think the entire offense could hurt him as well, even if he is 100. percent Yeah, I'm, it, I might move him down just ever so slightly. But listen, I mean, he had seven touches against the Lions. If he if it was really a big deal, why would they even play him at all? They threw the ball to him three times and gave him four carries. I like. If it was a major worry, they wouldn't mess around with that because you're talking about guys like Jalen Warren and Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland behind him. That's not a good running back crew. And if that's who you end up having to lean on, you're in way deeper doo-doo. So, like, the fact that they even (laughs) were having Najee Harris out there in harm's way at all tells me this is probably mostly a nothing burger. I I like that you mentioned the rank because that's kind of where I was going to go. We don't need to get into it, but, you know, he's in this weird space of, like, you've just kind of gotten out of maybe the perceived elite running backs of, you know, like Eckler and Henry and everything. And then he's in this space, though, where I think you could justify it as, like, a tier. Uh, And it could be different for everybody else, but if you've got, like, Joe Mixon – uh, Kamara, Cook, Barkley, and they all exist in that tier. I don't know. I think there's there's reason enough behind it that you could say, I'm going to put him at the bottom of this tier because, yes, Saquon Barkley has got injury stuff. Yes, Dalvin Cook has got some in mix, and all these guys have some type of injury thing that I guess that has uh, gone with them before, but maybe I don't want to start off my draft with a guy that is nursing something right now, and I'm a huge Najee, Najee Harris guy, so just a little uh, food for thought. Weekend takeaway. This is your highlight. This is where uh, each one of us are going to pick one of our big final preseason takeaways. It might be centric around a position or a certain group, or it could be a specific player like mine will. But Jake, let's start with you. Weekend takeaway from the final preseason game. What's the biggest thing you're walking into the uh, real week one NFL season with? I'd say look at the rookie wide receivers, their snaps, their usage with the first team in this final week. And I would say you got to be patient with some of these, like the biggest mistake I think people make with drafting rookie wide receivers and even running backs is they take them earlier than some veterans. They take them somewhat early because they want to make sure they get them for the potential breakout. And they get frustrated if they don't come out like gangbusters. If you don't start out like Jamar chase, if you don't start out like Justin Jefferson, then all right, week three, you're gone. And like that's expectations are higher than ever. Yes. And you know, we've seen it because, Olave looked pretty good in there, and we haven't seen Michael Thomas. Garrett Wilson is showing why he's Garrett Wilson. Eric Pierce was rocketing up the boards. The cup, and partly Michael Beller sat on the show and said he could be the number one rookie wide receiver in all of football. And then all three of them saw Olave was behind Landry. Garrett Wilson was behind Corey Davis, and then Alec Pierce was even behind Paris Campbell. Now Paris Campbell's the slot. I mean, you can, all these teams are different, and there's more than just these three, but these were the biggest three outliers. You know, Traylon Burks, we've already talked about ad nauseum. He's been in and out and in and out and in and out with Rushbrook Aquina and all. But anyway, point being is if you're drafting them, there's still plenty of upside. I would still bet money today. I would say Alavi's going to be the second most valuable. Wilson will be the second most valuable. Pierce will be on their teams. 
But if it starts out slow, if it's a little bumpy to start, take patience. And this is why you don't draft them as your second or third wide receiver. You draft them as your fourth or later. So don't don't be upset if you miss out on them. But if you take them, don't be the... I don't want to say stupid. Don't be the stupid owner. Don't be the stupid owner who turn around and let them go in week three, either by a trade or waivers. The only thing <laughs> I think that's interesting about that is one thing is not quite like the other in those three, in that Pierce's cost is you know still close to free uh, comparatively yeah. to the others. So in your patience. I mean, you should be able to be patient with all of these guys. And to your point, none of these guys, I think Olavi is the one that falls into maybe that range where someone's like, well, I got a little bit tricky with wide receiver and now he's my number three. Garrett Wilson, maybe not so much, but Alec Pierce is the one that, you know, I really think you should hold that extra patience to because I think there's a lot of upside there and he is a completely free play and uh, don't freak yourself out. Mr. Brandon Funston, the final weekend what are you walking away with and what do people need to know, especially going into the final draft weekend after the final preseason? Yeah, I don't I don't care a lot about these preseason weeks, but I thought that the Jets running back situation, because it kind of popped up, you know, the week before at some point there was reports. Oh, by the way, Michael Carter is still in this in this situation. He is not the, you know, quote unquote backup to Brees Hall. He is running as a, you know, straight up platoon partner and maybe even leading that platoon. So I wanted to see, you know, the usage of the Jets running backs and they both were crap and the Jets running game in the preseason has been crap. And, um, but I thought it was very interesting because I just have, have kind of had Brees Hall slotted at like right at RB 20. And I remember, you know, maybe a month or so ago, I was looking up the, the number one running back pick in the last seven drafts has finished no worse than RB 21. And I think Brees Hall has a shot at this point to to break that streak. And I had to move Brees Hall down because I mentioned earlier the Jets were like fourth fewest running back rushes last year. And I don't know that they've improved enough that, that can be dramatically different. They're probably still going to struggle on offense overall, and they're probably still going to have to throw the ball. And like, it's not a big pie that's being split up. If Michael Carter, who I love is truly involved and I think he should be, and it makes a lot of sense. Robert Sala has that DNA as well of being like, you know, coming from that multi-back system uh, in San Francisco. I think we're, you know, we're going to have to significantly kind of adjust our rankings on Brees Hall and Michael Carter. And it kind of coalesced around this whole idea. And we've been talking about with, I, you know, they always call the running back dead zone, like RB, you know, the round three ish kind of range. And I actually thought initially going into the summer, there was some great values in that area. JK Dobbins and Antonio Gibson and Elijah Mitchell and, and, Josh Jacobs and all these guys have been dinged and getting warts in the preseason, RBBCs and, and things going on. And now I think it truly is a dead zone. The value is all these guys like Damian Pierce and Rashad Penny that you get in the early 30s. And this whole little this RB2 to early RB3 range is where you're going to waste your money. And it's really about that mid RB3 tier at this point you get in early or you get in kind of in that rb3 range maybe get your aj dylan but there's a lot of guys that are questionable that you're having to pay for still you might as well take these guys that have the same questions but you're not having to pay for them like you're getting closer to rb30 so that was long-winded but you know it's i just thought the whole rb position has been very interesting this summer and it's worth talking about and no shock there was an answer to a question i started to uh ruminate in my head of saying you know it's funny because you get these uh, bad offense you know, running backs that get propped up. And there's someone that kind of reminds me of this. And I wanted to ask, you know, you say Brees Hall is going to go down. What about Brees Hall versus Damian Pierce? Because uh, if I can break this, Jake 
has made that decision. He has made that decision in the ranks, and uh, it is not Brees Hall as a winner. Yeah, I know. And I was going to ask Jake when he was talking about that. I said, Jake, of all the running backs that you'd be willing to – or not all the running backs, all the rookies that were drafted, who's the one you'd be willing to start most in week one? And it's probably Damian Pierce, right? It is, although t- is that today, the only it, one? Is that the only one you feel comfortable in a twelve-team league? I mean, there's not too many rookies is, that you might want to start. In no, football. because you know I've been out on James Cook, and that's that one is starting to come back down. The roller coaster down is uh, on the. We're coming back to the station. You're gonna have to ride it back up again at some point. <laughs> so James Cook is on the down. Algier is barely. Get, I mean, it's probably gonna be Algier and Williams, and by some point it should be Algier just because of his ability, fresh legs between the tackles and the fit with Cordero Patterson. You know how I feel about that but that's one Pacheco had his fun if you drafted three weeks ago you were spending a second rounder today you might be spending a 12th rounder to get Pacheco like so like all these guys like it's Damian Pierce you know that was my bold call the first one since 2014 to have 1100 rushing yards for this team although today Lovey Smith is like hey you know we don't know who we're starting week one we know who you're starting week one it just might be a little bit ugly uh, but there might be some weeks the, the only concern I have for Damian Pierce is not even just because he's on the Texans is because Mac and Rex Burkhead are there that if Pierce comes out one game and runs three times for negative two yards and they're like, ah, let's kind of work other people in and you start to see some volatility. But as of today, yeah, it would be Pierce. It is Pierce as well said. I have Pierce in front of Brees Hall. I legitimately concerned that the Jets are going to be a 50-50 backfield. And Brandon, you are Brees over Damian Pierce still? Uh, I think I have him back to back right now. I have him at 25 and 26. You can twist my arm. By the time the season starts, I probably have Damian Pierce. If things are going well, let me ask the question to phrase it this way: If we were talking week six and beyond, wouldn't we say Brees Hall? I think that's yeah, the way to look I think at it so. too. Yeah, I mean, is the guy that, is talented. I have no doubt about yes, it. So. Brees Hall should win out, and if you draft Brees Hall, do not get impatient with Brees Hall. One of the fun things you could do, it, the answer sometimes might be Michael Carter. If he's cheaper than all these guys, maybe you can get you, you know pick one of your guys. Don't worry about <laughs> Michael it. Michael Carter was like the twelfth round a month ago. Nobody And now you can get him and and maybe you can get Carter to pair with. It's an interesting one. So I'm going to just kind of burn through mine. Mine is, um, is more centric to one player and it's just going to get your outlook. And this, we might get, um, might get Jake riled up on this one, maybe a little bit, because I know this is one of your guys. And this is the quarterback to my favorite Mm -hmm. team, but Trey Lance did not look good. You know, he was 11 of 1642 yards, uh, you know, touchdown the preseason, everything. But, when you really sit down and watch him, like I have last year versus Jimmy this year, there's a frustration that I can't let go of. Uh, underthrowing Debo on a deep ball where he also missed, I think, a wide open Brandon Ayuk. He missed two easy shots down the middle. And you sh- and you see some of the uh, tentativeness that he has just overall where he doesn't properly progress down his uh down his options and he also has not made a commitment maybe like even a Jalen Hurts would have to run and so he's kind of in this quarterback dead zone if you will of um of maturation and I worry about it a little bit he's the 11th quarterback on NFFC right now uh inside the top 100 on consensus like fantasy pros ranks he is quarterback 13 outside of the top 100 and I went and took a look between August 1st and now, he's at an ADP of around 95 and a half over on NFC. Over this weekend, after the game that he had, he fell to 110. So is there any worry of Trey Lance, Jake, in your eyes and the weapons that surround him by just how 
rough he still can look zero <laughs> i could give like i could give uh, as we used to uh, brandon like the crap on players before Belar told him like don't crap on players you crap players or whatever oh, it, it was poo poo it was poo 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 a player don't poo poo <laughs> on a player like i have zero there is beyond zero. like if i could give a negative i would give a negative because let's just what i keep saying jalen hurts last year by the way jalen hurts nine games didn't reach 200 passing yards four of those he didn't even reach 150. You know how many single-digit scores he had? One. You know how many times he didn't reach 20 fantasy points? Four. I don't care. I don't care if you look like trash throwing the ball because you're going to be running a lot. And he has better weapons. And it's going to get better. You you said it yourself. You saw flashes. But he looks terrible. I expect a terrible season for Trey Lance throwing the ball. I don't, like I've said this a million times. Like People want to project him on the Josh Allen path. I said, let's take Josh Allen. He looked terrible throwing the ball his second season. Go look at how many hundred-something yard games Josh Allen had in his second year, and yet he finished as QB7. I don't care. He's still a top-10 quarterback because this is what fantasy is. Maybe maybe this is telling us we need to think a little bit differently of how we score rushing quarterback. Like maybe running in – you shouldn't get one for 10 if you are a quarterback. Maybe you should get one for 20 or one for 15, and maybe that's something we need to think about as a fantasy whole – but as long as the scoring is what the scoring is, I don't care how bad you look as a thrower. He's not, and that's the thing. It's because he's not losing the job. He's starting every single game. A good point. He is yeah. the quarterback. His over-under for rushing yards is like 549. Like, you just go look at the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks per game last year. Anybody who had that kind of rushing numbers at the quarterback finished in the top 10. It's just, it is a cheat code. It's interesting that you say that, Jake. I don't know that we can do that as far as like, but it does make bad quarterbacks that can run the ball way too valuable. I, I do agree, <laughs> but that's the, that's, that's where we're at. And that's, you know, we have to play to that. And if, if Trey Lance plays a full season and he looks raw, I mean, God, I, I can tell you there was multiple times Jalen hurts. I was like, God, he's such, he, that was such a poor performance throwing the ball. It just doesn't matter. doesn't, if you're going to run for 600 yards, it just doesn't matter. Self-hating, uh, self-hating football fan is what it is. Yeah. You see your team, you see your new quarterback, you see him underthrow Debo Samuel on a deep route, which you can't do, and you just cringe. But I've also got lots of shares, and pretty much any superflex I've done this year, I've got Trey Lance on the uh, on the second half of it, or in a deep league I play, I've got him on the top. So, gentlemen, let's end on this one, talking about the final preseason performances in games. Can we get some fantasy value? off of a name that we do not talk about anymore. Big performance this weekend from Denzel Mims. He caught seven of eight targets, 102 yards and a touchdown. And after, I think it was, might've been after the touchdown, he went to his wrist, he pointed to his wrist and he said, it's time. And what he meant was it is time for him to go as he had requested a trade early in the week. So great performance, great piece for the Jets to at least get to feature him out to everybody. So Brandon, I ask you, can Denzel Mims be traded to a situation where he can find good fantasy value? Can he be a fantasy value? I know we looked at him last year based off of what we saw this weekend in a new home. God, you Jake knows. Jake probably remembers when he was a rookie. I was I was an apologist for Denzel Mims, and he he looked like he was maybe going to start going. I love that after all this that's been going on with him and he had this great preseason game, Robert Sala came out and said, Denzel Mims is one of our top six receivers. Wow. That's, that's, that's great six. praise. Top six Jets receivers. So good. You're going to make the team, Denzel. Congratulations. So, so am I. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
I, I think Denzel Mims is a better player than the Jets have been able to shed light on. So uh, I would love to see him go somewhere else. I would, I w- I'm not ruling him out. If he went to Carolina, I'd be interested. You know, that was the team that said they'd be interested. I, you know, Robbie Anderson, we've kicked the tires on him long enough. Uh, Terrace Marshall, failure to launch. I don't know what's going on there, but like, I would love to see Denzel Mims playing opposite DJ Moore and see what he could do. I would be in for a late round flyer. Absolutely. Uh, I think the guy's talented uh, and I would love to see him put in a better position. I don't think he's like, you know, going to be an Allen Robinson that just needs to find a place and, and it's going to shine. Like, I just think that he could be serviceable in the right spot. Jake, is there a place he could be traded that you would be excited about Mims' value? Mm, the Bears need a number two, but yeah, get, that's a kind of a muted, muted passing game. But what I'll say is, and what Funston's referencing, and look, I'm not always right, but I, I will, uh, you know this, I will always take the opportunity to laugh when I am uh, because I was never a Mims fan. Here's my thing. like Mims, Mims is a talented wide receiver. The problem is Mims is eight years too late. If he was playing with Mike Wallace and Torrey Smith days, that look, Mike Wallace and Torrey Smith were there was one of those on almost every single team. Mims would be fine. He's in the wrong NFL. That's the problem. Kenny Galladay is in the wrong NFL. Like this is this is not their year. Like as you can see, the NFL is moving away from Mims is go deep. Mike Wallace run your nine route. The problem is he struggles with his own stacking of the defender, and he could have success if used the right way in an offense that was looking for him to be that specific thing. Maybe if he, uh, I'll give you another team. He's not going there because they have their answer potentially. Marcos Valdez Scantling with the Chiefs. Denzel Mims could do something like that. And he's just going to have to find a spot. The problem, like I said, is when you're on a depth chart that now has Wilson, in addition to already having Elijah Moore and a Corey Davis, who bigger guy more in the Kenny Galladay's facet than he is the Mims facet. But hey, he just he has nowhere to go on this team. He doesn't fit. So I agree with Funston. I don't think his career's over. I think he could find a nice team, but I'd be watching to see if not even traded, if they just do cut him and move on, because why are you going to hold if he's going to be, as you joked, Funston, he's going to be top six. If he's going to be your sixth wide receiver, doesn't play special teams. Doesn't like why even hold him on this roster? As, the only, the only reason that the jets keep Mims on this roster is spite. That's the only reason they keep him there. It's just because mm. now they're pissed off. A lot of great things can come from spite, though, Jake. We know that. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to wrap up the athletic fantasy football podcast for today. My first episode, I hope I did justice to the great Michael Beller and you guys had a good time listening. Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley, two of the best in the business. You can find them on Twitter at Brandon Funston and at the All In Kid. You can find me at Is It The Welsh? It is, and it will be all fantasy football season long. I'm excited to hang with you guys. I'm excited for everybody listening to talk fantasy football with you, and we will be doing it in very short term. I tease kind of at the beginning of the episode, this uh, team that we'd be putting together. We're going to do it in the next episode because Jake came up with an incredible idea to complement it. So be on the lookout shocker. for that in the next pod. I know, right? Shocker. Uh, for Jake Seeley, that is Brandon Funson. I am Chris Welsh, and we are out of here. Until next time.